Yes, sir! <laughs> yes! Welcome to another episode, ladies and gentlemen, of the Amatelica TIS podcast. Yours, yours truly, Jai Shields, presented by Manscaped. Here on this second day of February, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about as far as the National Football League is concerned. My guys, my team, my Cincinnati Bengals are your 2021 AFC champions and have punched their ticket to participate for the 2021 NFL Championship and Super Bowl 56. Coming up in about, what, uh, nine, uh, nine, ten days or so. Uh, and they will go up against the Los Angeles Rams. We will recap the AFC and NFC Championship games. Give you my initial reaction to the uh, Super Bowl 56 matchup between my Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. And we also have some new, some off-the-field news and controversy as far as this Brian Flores lawsuit in the National Football League. Um, along with... Um, Along with uh, it, along with some other things that we will address later on down the road. But you know, I'm going to begin. And I, if you would have told me back, it's what today is the second of the month of February. If you would have told me on September second, which I believe was a Wednesday. Uh, no, it was a Thursday. I apologize. If you would have told me, and I believe, I think I did an episode, I think the day prior on September the 1st. Uh, anyway, if you told me back in September that a team that had gone one, two, three, four, five straight seasons of sub 500 football, no division titles, no wild card berths. No playoff appearances, no playoff wins. They had the worst record in all of the National Football League in 2019 with uh, with that team that, that spit the bit and vomited all over themselves. That was inept, garbage, putrid in the 2019 Bengals that ended up uh, having Joe Burrow fall into their lap with the number one pick in the 2020 draft. If you would have told me back in, back in September that this team would somehow, some way, win their division, sweep the Ravens and the Steelers in the regular season, take the NFC finalist back to back in the at least prior to this 2021 season, but take the 2019 and 2020 NFC finalists and the Green Bay Packers down to the wire in overtime, beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home to win their division. The back-to-back AFC champions, by the way. And if you would have told me that they had to erase not one, but two double-digit deficits to beat the Kansas City Chiefs to win their division at home the first time and to win the conference and go to the Super Bowl the second time in Arrowhead in Kansas City's fourth straight AFC championship game at at, uh, Arrowhead Stadium, I would have had you drug tested and had your and demanded that your brain be donated to science once you die. There is not a soul in America outside of the Bengals players and coaches within that locker room. Not a soul in America could have expected this. Not a soul. And listen, I am going to raise my right hand like a man and I will take full accountability and full responsibility. 
okay? Not too long ago, and you can check it out on the on the Amatel underscore it TIS Twitter page and the Amatel it underscore podcast Instagram page. You can see it. It's the third most. It's the third most recent upload on the Amatel it underscore podcast Instagram page. Is the I can even tell you. I can tell you the date it was uploaded, December seventeenth of of two thousand and twenty one. When I went nuts ripping Zach Taylor and the Bengal team that was asleep at the wheel, you know, didn't look like they knew how to handle the 425 late starting time. Special teams was atrocious. Uh, the muff punts all muff punts all over the place. You know, three and outs, offensive ineptitude. Zach Taylor taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in the overtime period once they crossed the San Francisco 30-yard line. And and they allowed uh, Jimmy G and the 49ers and George Kittle, who they had no answers for, march up and down the field. And they lost that heartbreaking game in overtime that looked like there was going to be a complete rout until Joey B and the boys decided to uh, wake up and show what they're made of in the fourth quarter. It was not that long ago. What about a month and two weeks? It is not. It was not that long ago when I was screaming and yelling at the top of my lungs, saying Zach Taylor stinks. You know, I went on my Instagram page. I changed my name to you know hashtag Fire Zach Taylor. My profile picks was Zach Taylor with the clown nose and a, and a clown wig on. You know, I would get rid of this guy. This guy's a bum. This guy's a joke. He has no idea what the heck he's doing. Calling up talk show, screaming and yelling, about, "Get Zach Taylor out of here!" He has no clue. Play calling's atrocious. Why are you taking the ball? that Joe Burrow's hands, blah, 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 blah. And ever since I went nuts, you know, in the middle, on, on that mid-December day, the Cincinnati Bengals, not counting the Cleveland Brown game, which meant nothing and none of our starters played. Joe Burrow didn't even make, make the trip up to Cleveland for that game. So not counting that Week 18 loss to Cleveland, the team's been impeccable ever since that game and ever since yours truly went on that little tirade in mid-December. This team has just been downright immaculate and has found ways to win ugly. The first, the first game after that little rant when I, when I essentially had no expectations and said, Hey, if you guys want to prove to me and prove to America that you're serious, go out there and run the, go out there and run the table. Look what they did. They put together a three game winning streak. Look what they did. They beat a gritty, gutty, uh, the Denver Broncos seen by the final score of 15 to 10 and an absolute defensive slugfest. Joe Burrow made the plays and made the throws that needed to be made on top of clutch defensive play and the clutch timely turnover, which is a theme here in this opening monologue, which I'll get to here in a minute. They beat Denver 15 to 10 on, uh, this on December 19th. Uh, and then, of course, you got the following week against the Ravens, a game that they had to have in order to uh, gain control of the and control their own destiny for the AFC North Division title. I understand, you know, no, uh, no Lamar Jackson. I get that. I understand that the that seventy five to eighty percent of the Ravens roster was on IR at that point in the season. But still, the one like the Ravens were, you know, were a three win team heading into this game. They had eight wins and still had a chance to make the playoffs against all odds. So. Uh, uh, you know, and John and a John Harbaugh coached Ravens team ain't gonna lie down and die for anybody. And what does Joe Burrow do? He goes out there, sets the world on fire, throws for 525 passing yards, four touchdowns, and Jamar Chase has the performance of his life: 12 receptions, 190, or excuse me, T. Higgins for that matter, 12 receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdown receptions on the afternoon. No, oh, by the way, speaking of Jamar Chase, seven receptions for a buck 25. That team go and they go on to blow out the Ravens by 20 points, 41-21. And then against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
Second to last weekend of the regular season for the uh, 2021 year. The first, uh, the first game of the 2022 calendar, uh, 2022 calendar year, so to speak, against the Big Bad Kansas City Chiefs. Nobody gives them a shot. Nobody gives them a chance. Everybody's saying, "Well, Denver's off. Denver doesn't have an offense. The Ravens are a bunch of backups. Went up against uh, essentially a bunch of uh, third-string practice squad guys. You know, the Bengals aren't for real. They're flukes. They're frauds. You know, Kansas City's going to stomp all over them. They're playing excellent defense. They're clicking on all." They haven't lost the game since the 24th of October against Tennessee. And what happens? They go in. They go into. Uh, they go into Cincinnati to get a couple of. They have multiple 14-point leads in a game. And and what happens on Tyree Kill? Get Tyree Kill, who was wide open down the middle of the field towards the end of the half. A key. Key, I said it then, I'll say it again. That pass deflects, I believe it was Von Bell who deflected the pass. My memory, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I'll go back to the play by play sheet just to be accurate. Um, yeah, it was Von Bell. Yeah, I got it right. See, you're sure got a memory of an elephant. If it had not been for that pass deflection by Von Bell, which is kind of apropos uh, considering how uh, Sunday's game went, but it had not been for Von Bell deflecting that pass that Tyree Kill should have caught and probably was kicking himself for the rest of the game for not catching. Had not he caught that ball, Kansas City would have went into the locker room at the minimum. Okay? At the minimum. With a, th- with a what? A 31 to 17 lead at minimum. What happens? Play is incomplete. Can't, there's look that p- the play took forever because Mahomes had to buy time and scramble all over the place to find Tyreek Hill open in the middle of the field. So it essentially used up all of the clock remaining in regulation. They have a throwaway play that gets the first down, but it didn't matter because it didn't get them anywhere anyway. Clock expires. Bengals, er, the game goes into halftime. Kansas City up, uh, up what? 20, up, uh, 2017. Does my math have it right? 14, 14, and 21. Yeah, 28, 17 at halftime. Cincinnati down 11. What happens? Bengals defense shows up, holds Kansas City to three points throughout the entire second half, forced uh, and held Mahomes to 50 passing yards in the second half of the of the Week 17 game. Meanwhile, a little bit of Joe, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase action coming at you. Throw in a Tyler Boyd that gave the Bengals the lead early in the fourth quarter. Bengals steal a game from Kansas City. Tremendous comeback when their biggest game in Paul Brown Stadium history to win their division. Game against Cleveland means nothing. Wildcard weekend against the Raiders. Their defense comes out screaming. You know uh, the Raiders kick a field goal on their opening possession. Cincinnati, Cincinnati, you know Cincinnati then respond then responds. Uh, offense within the red zone not exactly fantastic. They did put up uh, how many points did they put up? Uh, they did put up twenty six points. Don't forget the Larry Ogan, Joby, Trey Hendrickson strip sack player within uh, within uh, the Vegas's first uh, few opening possessions of the first quarter. Jermaine Pratt with the Raiders marching downfield in the Bengals' offense that essentially was to be harsh, non-existent for the most part in the second half. What does Jermaine Pratt do? Game, season on the line, fourth and goal. Ball finds Jermaine Pratt to give the Bengals their first playoff win in uh, in in over in over thirty years. 
Tennessee game, defensive slugfest. Derrick Henry coming back off of uh, coming back off of IR first game since uh, first game that he's played since Halloween. What do the Bengals do? They hold him to 62 rushing yards on 20 carries. Albeit it was self-inflicted with Tennessee because Ryan Tannehill is not winning you a Super Bowl, and 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 uh, Foreman should have gotten more than four carries, and he was running the ball tremendously. Tremendous. He only had four carries, and he ran for more yards than Derrick Henry did, who had 20. I mean that's all you need to know. But anyway, that's neither uh, that's neither here nor there. That's old news. Defensive slugfest. Joe Burrow plays and needs to be made. Sticks it out like a champion. The heart of a champion. The toughness and the grit and the uh, and the and the fortitude of a champion uh, toughs it out through getting sacked nine times in a game. Somehow, someway throws for three hundred and forty-eight uh, passing yards. Joe Mixon rushes for fifty-four yards, fourteen carries, and scored the. Uh, team's only touchdown in the game and Jamar Chase goes back to back games as a rookie with over 100 receiving yards. Then what happens? They go into the uh they go into the Kansas City game on Sunday, get down, face they face a early deficit when they when they can't move the ball, CJ Uzama sprains his MCO, can't put any weight on it. He's gone for the rest of the game right from the op- right from the get-go in the opening quarter. What happens? Cincinnati is down a tremendous deficit. Is down. Uh, is down twenty one. Is down twenty one three in the in the beginning of the second quarter. And what happens? Cincinnati some goes out there and scores on the possession, making twenty one ten. And then, and I'll get to my homes in a minute. And go and and Eli Apple makes honestly one of the, at this point in time at this junction the clutchest one of the clutchest tackles. Not interceptions. Not fumble recoveries. Not forced fumbles. Not sacks. One of the clutchest most. Uh, important tackles in the history of the franchise, tackling Tyree Kill at about the two-yard line to send the game into halftime with Cincinnati down 11 instead of down 28-10 uh, with, with the game all but essentially over for Cincinnati and, and Kansas City putting it on cruise control and going to their third straight Super Bowl of the Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid era. What's the whole point of uh, what's the whole point of all this? The point is this. This Cincinnati Bengals team is gritty, they're gutty, they're gutsy, they're mentally tough, they never quit, they don't quit on each other, they don't quit on themselves, they they don't they don't they don't quit on their head coach, their position coaches, their coordinators, the fa- they don't quit. They don't quit. Joe Burrow says all the time, we never feel like we're out of a football game. And honestly, I th- they don't because they never die. They never they never die, they never go away. They 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 will fight and scratch even games that they've lost. Look at the for- look at the 49er game. They were asleep asleep for 3 quarters. Somehow some way climbed all the way back to tie the game and force it into overtime against San Francisco. Look at the Packer game. Now that game was back and forth, but they stayed lockstep with with Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay pa- and the Green Bay Packers, who were who were a Super Bowl favorite in early mid-October. Stayed lockstep stayed lockstep with with Green Bay. Look at the uh look at look at another game that Cincinnati's played this uh, Cincinnati played this season. Hell, go all the way back to week 4 against Jacksonville. 
Similar situation. Team was asleep. They can't put the ball into the end zone worth the crap. Defense was uh defense was was lethargic, not ready to play in the opening in the opening uh first two quarters. What happens? Defense gets a stop towards the end of the half due to Jacksonville's uh, reckless offensive play calling towards the towards the end of the second quarter, heading into halftime. Instead of playing it safe and just going for the field goal, they try to go for the gusto and put the ball in the end zone. Cincinnati stops them, goes into the half with a little bit of mo- with a little bit of momentum. Next thing you know, 24-21 Cincinnati Bengals Bengals already match their uh, their season win t- pretty much almost are uh, matched their season win total from the previous season, improving to what. Three and one on three and one on the year. Look at the Jacksonville game. This team, which which I was thinking about it in retrospect, there's a lot of similar qualities in the Jacksonville game and the Chief game, which I'll break down in greater detail here in a minute. But this team, they don't quit. They're gutty. They're mentally tough. Moral, fi- more immense loads of of uh, moral fiber that the old uh, Bills head coach Marv Levy used to say all the time, and they just don't quit. They don't quit. They don't give up. They don't throw in the towel. They 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 stay stay with it. They fight and scratch and claw their way throughout the entire sixty minutes. Not they don't they don't check out like uh, you know, like 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 most teams will and throw in and throw up the white down and say well guys I guess it's just staying our year and in our game it ain't meant to be nonsense no they 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 stay with it they persevere they they stand hold and are one of the most mentally tough football teams I've ever seen in my 15, 16 years of watching NFL football and they stay with it. And Joe Burrow, I mean, is just an absolute is just an absolute stud. I mean, my good, I mean, my goodness gracious, I mean, can, I mean, where where would this team be without this quarterback? I mean, the play that he made on third and seven, somehow, some way, escaping the sack is one of the is one of the greatest, most you can't teach that qualities I've ever seen on I've ever seen on a football field. I mean the fa- and it's funny, you know, my father told me this ever since I got into sports, was playing sports and was, was smart. He tells me all the time, it's like an athlete is the most ineffective when he stops moving his feet. What happens? Joe Burrow just keeps pumping his feet, pumping his feet, pumping his feet, somehow escapes the tackle, finds the open space, gets the third uh, converts on a third and seven and keeps the Cincinnati drive alive. I mean the amount of sacks that he escaped from the amount of drives that he saved running running and scrambling for first downs. I mean, if, if you don't think Joe Burrow ain't a special talent at this point in time, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't help you. I mean, he was 23 of 38, threw for 250, two passing touchdowns, only got sacked once. So for those of you that were, you know, skewing from the rooftops, while well, I'm concerned about Cincinnati, about Cincinnati, bro, getting sacked nine times. The 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 Tennessee Titans defensive line is the is the best defensive front that they went up against throughout their entire AFC playoff run. Now they got their hands full with Aaron Donald and Von Miller in the Super Bowl coming up uh, in two Sundays. But I mean, come on, with the, and, uh, and let's let's also call it like we see it. The Chiefs' defense ain't anything to write home about. I mean, everybody and and I and I said this, you know, at the time, and they had a nice little stretch run throughout their little hot streak where their defense, you know, it was, it was a complete one eighty of how they played. But when you're going up, but when you're going up against the New York Giants with Daniel Jones, 
who are who you know who are allergic to putting the ball in the end zone, and then you go up against a Green Bay Packer, Aaron Rodgers less uh, team the following week. Vegas okay, Vegas okay, they, they okay, okay fine whatever. You held them to fourteen points, big whoop. But Dallas Cowboys okay fine, you held them to nine points. Yeah, so you know, so outside of the the giant loss and the Packer loss has a little asterisk next to it. Uh, but then the De- but then you go ahead and you look at the first Denver game. You held the nine points. Whoop de do. Uh, you held Vegas to nine points the second time. But I but that I think has more about to do with the fact that the Raiders, like a bunch of idiots, riled Kansas City up by da- by having a pre game huddle on the midfield logo. So I think that has more to deal with. Uh, Karma and uh, and the and and emotion than it has to do with the X's and O's of why Kansas City dominated uh, Vegas on December the twelfth. But then, but then look at how their defense performed the, during the uh, final stretch of the season. They gave up twenty eight points to Herbert and the Chargers on that uh, overtime thriller that they won on uh, Thursday, December the sixteenth. The Steeler, the the their first round playoff, or excuse me, the first game they played against Pittsburgh at at uh, Arrowhead Field or Arrowhead Stadium doesn't count because the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the Giants, are allergic and are uh, and you know it's like pulling teeth sitting through a root canal trying to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers score offensive points and put the ball in the end zone. They didn't score an offensive touchdown, not the entire the entire game. The one touchdown uh, Pittsburgh, or, or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong game. But you get the idea. They scored 10 points. Pittsburgh's offense stinks. whoop de doo I mean, you, ha- you held the Pittsburgh Steelers to 10 points. I mean, they had 85 Bears all of a sudden. Congratulations. And then, and, again, and then again, Cincinnati, again, Joe Burrow goes absolutely out of his mind. 446 passing yards, four touchdown uh, uh, passes. Jamar Chase goes off for 266 and three touchdown receptions. On top of the fact that uh, that T Higgins, that T Higgins had a had a nice afternoon, and Tyler Boyd caught the go caught the uh, go ahead reception early uh, early on in the fourth quarter. And then after that, they let the Denver Broncos, who for the most part, outside, realistically outside of the Dallas Cowboy upset, have been, for the most part this season, absolutely inept. Inept offensively all season long. Again, a Kansas City has to have for, the, for, for them to have, to, for them to keep their slim hopes of stealing the one seed from Tennessee for for AFC home field and what happens Denver Broncos put up 24 points where it had not been for a fumble late in the fourth quarter Kansas City probably would have lost that game or would have only won that game you know by by a couple of points but because but because Vic Fangio decided to kick a field goal and they fumbled inside inside the red zone that it got taken back for seven points, Kansas City escaped escaped Denver on that Saturday night in early January with a twenty eight to twenty four victory. Pittsburgh opening round of the playoffs, same story. Offense is alert to scoring points. Next, Buffalo, their defense was absolutely atrocious. Josh Allen was. Was practically impeccable throughout the throughout the uh, throughout that night in division and during that playoff game in the divisional round. Twenty seven, thirty seven, three twenty nine, four touchdown passes. They let Gabriel Davis, who what? Yes, Gabriel Davis become the first wide receiver in the history of the National Football League to catch not one, not two, not three, but four touchdown receptions in a single playoff game. Not Stephon Diggs, not Emmanuel Sanders. 
Gabriel Davis, and the Bills put up 36 points. So Kansas City Chiefs defense, again, for the last time, enough hearing about them. T. Higgins, six receptions, 103 yards. They, they they kept Jamar Chase in check, but he but he caught the touchdown pass. Uh, but he caught the touchdown pass that put Cincinnati within a two point conversion away from tying the game up. And who does Joe Burrow hit for the two point conversion to tie the game up? Taking advantage of Daniel Sorengen, who has absolutely if the Kansas City Chiefs are dumb enough to keep him on the roster come next season, I mean it needs to be an investigation. He stinks. Enough of him. I've seen enough of. I mean, I, listen, they can as long as since I mean they. The Bengals play Kansas City next week, so if he's on the roster still come 2022, your story will be doing handstands. But objectively, and to kind of you know speak for the Kansas City Chiefs fan that was screaming at the TV all season long, if Daniel Sorensen is on this roster and is on this defense and it's a starter for the Kansas City Chiefs come next season, there needs to be an investigation. He is the absolute worst. How in the world he he blew that simple coverage and allowed uh, and allowed that. And allowed that receiver, um, the Taylor, number eleven, who the Bengals activated prior to that, prior to the championship game, off the practice squad to allow him to catch the game time two point conversion pass. I mean, it's it, it, it that it's just that from a from a team that's gone to back to back Super Bowls, back to back AFC champion champion four straight AFC championship games and back to back AFC champions. That's unacceptable. Ah, uh, I'm I'm sorry. I mean that 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 you just cannot allow under any 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 circumstances. And you know Kansas City, they they stopped running the football. I mean, one one of the one of the thing one of the first indications earlier in in the early stages of the game, why I said, "Oh hell, this is going to be a long afternoon for Cincinnati." It's because Kansas City was able to do something that not many teams have been able to do against the Bengals all year, and that's run the football. Because can because because the Bengals defense was so pre now and rightfully so, but they were preoccupied of of keeping everything in front of them and not making sure Travis Kelsey goes coast to coast on them like he like he did against Buffalo the previous week. And to keep Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman and Pringle in check, they you know the, the plays and the opportunities were there for Kansas City to run the football. McKinnon on 12 carries ran for 65 yards. If you want me to know how many yards he averaged per carry, I'll be very happy. Uh, I'll be very happy uh, to en- to enlighten you on that. He averaged about five and a half yards a carry. He averaged five and a half yards a carry, 65, 65 yards in Kansas City. Whether it's Bianami, Eric, or Eric Reed, Andy Reed, whoever it is, either or or both. For them to decide to all of a sudden stop feeding Jarek McKinnon when he was running the football down the Kansas City defensive th- defensive throats in the first half, that also for for a team that's accomplished a lot that's got high expectations, that also is unacceptable. I mean, they, they stopped running the football. Why? Because because they got cute, because they got cocky, because they got arrogant, and they played right into right into Cincinnati's hands. The Bengals defense wanted Patrick Mahomes to throw the football 39, 40 times in a game. They wanted him to do that. They 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 fell right right into the Cincinnati right into Cincinnati's trap. They wanted Patrick Mahomes to throw the football 39 times. They wanted him to do that. 
And because Kansas City, you know, think, thinks they're too big for their britches, they're cocky, they're arrogant, they were, you know, they're filling themselves, full of themselves, and, 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 and they fall right into the trap, and that's why they're sitting at home not going to the Super Bowl. And Mahomes, again, thinking that just because he can throw a ball left-handed and perfect that no-look pass and, and it's a walking human highlight reel, he thinks, ah, to hell with the basic fundamentals of the sport. To, you know, who cares about, about the basic fundamentals and, 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 uh, and, getting the, and getting the basic little things right? I'm Patrick Mahomes. It came, it came back to bite Kansas City on Sunday. You saw it. I don't care how good of a football team you are. I don't care how great your quarterback is. I don't care how talented your offensive roster is. If you've learned anything throughout this 2021 NFL season, is that nobody, no team, no coach, no player, you don't take anybody for granted. Nobody. You go out there and play. Nothing is given to you. That's why you got to play the games. You know, Kansas City wasn't wasn't going to get gifted another super another Lamar Hunt trophy just because the team's founder, uh, the team's founder's name is 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 on, is on the trophy and they've been the back to back uh, Super Bowls. You got to go out there and earn it and work for it. And I'm sorry when you have a 21 to three lead and you piss down your leg the way they did. That as a team, that that all I heard about, especially after their uh, 2019 championship, you know, talking about second dynasty, this second dynasty, that 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 is completely, completely unacceptable. I said it then at the time. I'll say it again. No more talk about this about this dynasty garbage. That's out the window. I understand Andy Reid is an all-time great coach going into the Hall of Fame, and Patrick Mahomes is going to go down as one of the greatest football players and one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen play the sport. But let's call it like, a, but let's call it like we see it. Let's call a spade a spade. The Kansas City Chiefs never have been, never will be. The New England Patriots and Patrick Mahomes is not the GOAT. Never has been and never will be. I'm sorry. Phenomenal talent, Yes. Do I expect Mahomes to win more than one Super Bowl in his career when it's all said and done? Yes. But no more GOAT talk and no more comparing him to Tom Brady. Please. Don't do not do that. I'm not going to let you get away with it. Not, not on my watch. Not on my Twitter feed. Not on my timeline. Not on this show. Not on... No. No. No, no more dynasty talk. No more dynasty talk. Yes, they've been to four straight AFC Championship games. Yes, they've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Yes, they were back-to-back AFC champions. But here's the bottom line. The dynasties, if they got four, four. Not two, not one, four. Four AFC Championship games in their building. They're not going two and two. In the four games. And one and one and one in Super Bowls. They get four straight years of having a game in their building. You can't go two and two. Four and oh, three and one, that's it. Anything less than that, failure. And one and one in the Super Bowl ain't ain't, ain't good enough. You know, the the, the 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 Seattle Seahawks, everybody thought was gonna be the next dynasty during those Legion of Boom years from twenty thirteen to 2014-2015. They're not a dynasty. Yes, they were back to back NFC champions, and yes, they were one of the best teams in all football, but they're not a dynasty. 
Why? They made it to two straight Super Bowls and split them. Dynasties went back to back. And if they don't win back to back, they find a way to make it to make it to a third straight game. A la the Patriots. Patriots in twenty Patriots in twenty sixteen they they make it. 28-3 comeback, 2016 NFL champions. They make it back 2017, fall short to Nick Foles and the Eagles. They made it their business to get back for Super Bowl 53 in 2018. They, 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 didn't, fall, they didn't fall short and lose to Kansas City in a championship game, or they, didn't, or they didn't go to a third straight game and lay an egg to Jared Goff and the Rams. If they were going to make it to a third straight one, they made sure that they won it. And their cockiness and their arrogance came back to bite them. I mean, why in the world they de- they decided to run a to run a little screenplay to Tyree Kill with about five seconds left towards the end of the half when Kansas City had no timeouts is 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 beyond beyond my comprehension. Makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And then Mahomes, who has no idea which way is up, is 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 looking towards the official, looking towards the sideline, trying to call a timeout. Hey Patrick, you have no timeouts left. Pay attention. But anyway, back to my Cincinnati Bengals. Clutch defensive play. You you saw you saw it again in the Jacksonville game on that on that on that goal line stand before the half in the Jacksonville game. You saw it with the Jermaine Pratt a game uh, put the game, put in the game on ice in the wild card round against Vegas. You saw it in a Tennessee game. Jesse Bates opening play, open first play from a scrimmage for Tennessee in the first quarter had an interception. Mike Hilton made a tremendous read off of a horrendous Ryan Tannehill decision for an interception. And then, of course, the ball gets tipped in the air, middle of the field, in the closing seconds of regulation in the Tennessee game. Logan Wilson, linebacker out of Wyoming, is right there to catch it and give Cincinnati a short field to set up Evan McPherson to keep the game-winning field goal. Last, or excuse me, then on Sunday, defense gets taken to the cleaners for essentially two quarters. And then Eli Apple comes along, who got smoked like Kansas City barbecue for, for, you know, for that entire half for two quarters outside of that tackle on Tyreek Hill, which, which absolutely changed the momentum of the game and injected life into Cincinnati. Because if Tyreek, because that tackle's not made, Tyreek Hill goes into the end zone. Unless Joe Burrow and the Bengals pull, pulled off, would be able to pull off the comeback of the century, Bengals aren't winning that football game. What happens instead? Eli Apple makes a tackle, keeps Cincinnati within 11 points, and injects life into that team heading into the uh, locker room at the half. Uh, a, a team that essentially was was not they weren't tight, but they were dead as a doornail. For thirty for for twenty nine minutes and fifty five seconds prior to that Eli Apple tackle towards the end of the half, that that was that was that was one of the biggest plays of the game right there. And it's funny in the back of my mind, I'm sitting on my couch watching the game. I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, huh? If Cincinnati does the impossible and somehow somebody comes back and wins this game, that's the play we're going to be talking about. And lo and behold, they 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 put together the comeback. They complete the comeback. They win the game. And guess what play I'm talking about? Crazy, absolutely crazy. 
again. And, and it's just the fact that you get that you appreciate, you know, that, that this is a clutch defense. Clutch defense. Trey Hendrickson getting after it. I, I've said it at infinitum all season long. I'll say it again. I'll keep on saying it until I'm blue in the face. Trey Hendrickson is one of the best off-season free agency signings that this Bengals franchise has pop, quite possibly ever made in the history of the team. I mean, he has just been absolutely sensational this season. Sensational. Throw in a little Sam Hubbard, who 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 in the defensive coverage you saw was was uh you know had had the had the Mahomes QB spy, and then when he got bored said all right enough of this bump enough of this bump this I'm gonna go after I'm gonna go after Patrick Mahomes and I'll tackle him and I'll strip and I'll strip sack him where if a Cincinnati Bengal falls on that ball and not Joe Tooney the Bengals win the win the game 24-21 and we're not even talking or nor discussing. Overtime, but that was a hell of a play by him. Hell of a job by Trey Hendrickson, making Mahomes sweat a little bit. I mean, the 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 most Mahomes was was uh, under under duress and under pressure all afternoon. He got sacked four times by Cincinnati's defensive front. By the way, was during the final sequences of of uh, of Kansas City's closing drive. But they did an absolutely phenomenal job, and again. If you would have told, if you would even told, if you would have told me after the San Francisco game that this team was going to the playoffs, let alone, uh, let alone uh, win their division and win the conference and go to Super Bowl, I, I, I would, I would, I would have called you crazy. Honest to God, I had no idea that this team had what it took to go to the Super Bowl. In such a short amount of time frame, two year, two years removed from having the worst record in the sport, and a year removed from Joe Burrow with his knee surgery and finishing in last place, and yet the team is the best team in the AFC in the 2021 NFL regu- NFL season. Absolutely remarkable. They held Kansas City to six points. In the second half of two games in the same month, first su- first Sunday in January, they held Kansas City three points in the second half and held Mahomes to fifty passing yards. And then the second half of the championship game, on the last Sunday of the month of of the month of January, they held Kansas City three points again. The game tying field goal by Butker to force overtime. Defense score defense two interceptions. Forced the fumble and sacked Mahomes four times. An absolutely remarkable job. And during the three man rushes in the second half in the overtime, Mahomes had 12 dropbacks, three of eight passing, 15 yards, sacked four times, one interception. Bengals secondary, which was which was not great under any circumstances, especially in the opening quarter, was absolutely Fantastic, sensational, stupendous in the final half and quarter of the game on Sunday. Sensational. Stupendous. Jamar Chase, give him his flowers as well. He became on Sunday the 
record holder for the most playoff receiving yards by a rookie. Sensational. I mean, what? It's been about three and a half days, three, three and a half days since since uh, since their win on Sunday. I still can't believe it. I still can't believe it. In a state of euphoria and on cloud nine, that the Cincinnati Bengals are the AFC champions and are going to the Super Bowl. Especially considering the way they did it, the short amount of time frame it took them for them to become a championship contender. And because of who they had to go through in order to, in order to in order to get this honor, in order for them to crown themselves champions. Go through the number one seed on the road, bro getting sacked nine times, and then had to go into Arrowhead, a place that only one quarterback and one team had, had prior to Sunday afternoon had the rights to say that we've beaten that we've beat Kansas City in the playoffs in this venue, and they go in there a race a twenty one to three deficit to come back and win the game in overtime against the back back AFC champions two years removed from Kansas City being the Super Bowl champions and then two years removed from the Bengals being the worst team in the National Football League. I mean, that in a nutshell is why you gotta love sports. My Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Back right after this. Roses are red, violets are blue, Donati Wild Pube Recue. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for this special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's the time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in the below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer. So just go to manscaped.com and use the code SHIELD5 for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just a thing every guy needs in his life to make each and every single day just a little bit more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and get this. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate partners in crime. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your hearts may still desire. Did I mention it's also waterproof? This package also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in not one, but two free gifts. Their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably throughout the day. To complete the perfect package for your said package are liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys and then stay cool all day with the toner to keep you smelling and feeling your best all day and all throughout the night. And don't forget to not only smell good around your nether regions, but all over your body. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with the smell of perfection. Manscaped created their products for nights just like on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code THESHIELD5. Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping. Not either or, 20% off and the free shipping. Just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use my code THESHIELD5. That's T-H-E-S-H-I-L-D-5. Be like yours truly on Instagram and shoot your shot with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. 
Welcome back to the I'ma Tell Like Your T.I.S. podcast. Switching gears now from the AFC Championship game to the NFC Championship game. Uh, and that is the uh, Los Angeles Rams for the second time in the last four or five years or so are your National Football Conference champions taking down uh, their div- NFC West Division rival San Francisco 49ers, ending their six-game losing streak against them at SoFi Stadium late on Sunday night. I got a couple of takeaways in the SoFi crowd being one of them, which I'll address here last. You know, it's funny with McVay and Shanahan. Because there are instances where one of them appears uh, from an outsider's perspective that that they can't coast the way out of a paper bag. They're far they're far from a Super Bowl a Super Bowl champion, future Hall of Fame type NFL head coach. Yes, they have the quarterback and their offensive geniuses and their offensive gurus and. And their play calling design is is impeccable off the charts. They win a lot of games. They play and they make the playoffs every year. They win divisions. They go to NFC Championship games. They make appearances in Super Bowls. And it's like, you know, you really don't know how to, like, if you were to ask me to rank McVay and Shanahan, if you would have asked me that question after divisional weekend, I would have said Shanahan is better than McVay. If you would have asked me that question after Super Bowl 54, I would have told you McVay than Shanahan. If you asked me this question now on February 2nd, I would have asked me that question on January 31st on Monday, I'd say McVay over Shanahan. They flip-flop all the time because, listen, in their young head coaching careers, regular season-wise, they're successful. They're successful. They've won the div- they've won their division a decent amount of times. They've both, well, now this is McVay's Super Bowl appearance upcoming, but they've both coached in one Super Bowl. They've both coached in multiple NFC Championship games. uh, Shanahan's coached in two of them with San Francisco. McVay has coached in two of them. They are both offensive geniuses as far as play design and, and putting points on the board in their own right. But they leave you speechless and they leave you scratching your head and they leave you saying, what the heck? Way too many times. And many a times and many a circumstances, i.e. in week 18 when they, and when those two teams played each other back on January the 9th, it was McVay for blowing a 17 to nothing lead and his team collapsing on itself. Throwing the fact that he decided to join his team in the end zone during uh, during a touchdown celebration early, you know, during the uh, first half, which I would imagine bothered a quite few of the uh, San Francisco 49er defensive players. And then you flip the script to three weeks, two, three, you know, three weeks later or so to the championship game, and it's Shanahan that's leaving you scratching your head. Blowing the blowing yet another double digit fourth quarter playoff late. 
I mean, it's just, I mean, the it, 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 it's, it's something new every every single day with with McVeigh and Shanahan. I swear to you, it's it's some it's something new with them. I mean, it goes out there and they they go out there and they have a and they have a seventeen to seven lead and they proceed to flush it right down the toilet. They take a seventeen to seven lead. Rams go right down the field, seven plays, seventy five yards, pull to within three points, uh, pull within three points, and then Jimmy Garoppolo on the fi- on uh, on their final offensive drive of the game. A game that they have to have. It's it's that it's that 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 signature pat- patented WTF was that Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, just 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 take the sack, my guy. Just take the sack. Don't overthink it. Don't do. Don't be hasty. Just bite the bullet, grin and bear it, and take the sack. What does he do? He you know he careless with the football. Ball that now now it kind of and you can make the argument that it should have been caught because it went it deflected right off of the uh, receiver's hands it was sitting there in the flat but that ball had no business being thrown ball gets intercepted Rams take possession they go to Super Bowl Fifty Six and Jimmy Garoppolo in essence played you know wraps up his last game ever as the San Francisco Forty Nine er he nearly gave the game away against Dallas in the second half on Wild Card Weekend had a couple of horrendous throws and then take advantage of Dallas's piss poor mistakes in a game that should have been an absolute runaway uh down down at AT&T Stadium on wild card weekend that Sunday afternoon then divisional playoff weekend his team you know he made a couple of nice throws to put the game away offensively and I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is a scrub because he isn't but when the can but when the Green Bay Packer offense you know had been inept all night long outside of their outside of their first offensive possession when they went down the field and put up a touchdown and scored a touchdown you know zero offensive points is not good enough you know they were very you know it's kind of like luck of the draw you know hey, luck of the draw that the Green Bay Packers special teams was downright deplorable if the Green Bay Packers special teams was immaculate and Mason Crosby would have made that field goal before the end of the half. And if the Packers' only shortcomings was Aaron Rodgers and the offense's ineptitude, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is getting away with not putting the ball in the end zone one time. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not too sure about that. And what happens? He goes in there on. He goes in there Sunday night and spits the bit, especially in, his, in the uh, in the second half. I mean, it it just can't happen. And again, no disrespect against Jimmy Garoppolo, and he can play. He's not a scrub, but he is not. He's not that quarterback that when the chips are in the middle of the table, when your back is up against the wall, a la Joe Burrow, a la Patrick Mahomes, a la Brady, a la a la a um a uh, you know a, uh, a a Steve Young or Joe Montana in 49er lore he's not going to get you off the deck he's going to play just good enough to keep you in the game or just good enough so you can escape and win the game but isn't going to make that signature Hall of Fame Joe Montana-esque type of throw that's going to get you over the hump or win you a game that you had no business winning or is going to save you for when or for when you're collapsing like the 49ers did on Sunday night 
and uh, and they and they escape out of uh, you know whatever stadium they're playing in with the victory, like Stafford did, like Stafford did in in the in the fourth quarter against Tampa when it when his team collapsed with a twenty with a twenty seven to three lead against Tampa on that uh, on that uh, few on a few Sundays ago in divisional uh, playoff weekend. Uh, but it's but and then and McVay with all due respect and again going back to the whole McVay Shanahan Shanahan comparison piece, you know it wasn't like McVay coached you know Zach Taylor coached circles around Andy Reid in the first game. I don't know who out coached who. I think it was just about the. I think it just came down to just who had the better roster and who had the better overall talent because Sean McVay was just absolutely putrid. How in the world in an NFC Championship game do you allow yourself to essentially go the rest of the fourth quarter, all if not all the fourth quarter with no timeouts? You know, ch- challenging spot of the ball on on fourth on third and fourth and ones on QB sneaks. I mean, really, Sean. Really, this this is what we're doing now. He got bailed out the week before in Tampa with his glorious high end talent of uh, of Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Championship Sunday, he got bailed out by that high end talent again. Thy name is Aaron Donald, who you know was due for that quote-unquote signature defensive play in a playoff game, which I've been screaming to the rooftops that he has not had prior to Sunday, which I think counts against him when he, when you talk about all-time great and comparing him to LT and, and Marilyn Olsen and Deacon Jones and everybody else. But he came through, and I didn't go down as a sack, but that, but that's a, but that's a signature championship play that a player of Aaron Donald's magnitude and stature, you know, should have as a multi-time All-Pro and multi-time Pro Bowler, soon to go into the Hall of Fame. You get, you, you got to have that play in an NFC Championship game with a trip to the Super Bowl and a conference championship on the line against a division rival who's done nothing but kick your tail for six straight games in a row. Aaron Donald finally has that signature moment to his credit. We tip our caps off to him. We also tip our caps off to Matthew Stafford, who granted got away with a who got away with one of the worst passes again. That when when I scream about Matthew Stafford, you know, in the past being overrated and not being as good as everybody says and claims and think he is, go look back at that interception. That uh, go 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 look back at that interception that should that should have should have been made by a 49er defensive back. Hit him right square in between the numbers and he dropped it. Dropped it. I mean that that was the equivalent of an arm punt. The, the 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 patented signature Matthew Stafford screw it you know just screw it forget this arm punt you know into no man's land in the middle of the field and he got the biggest break of all time because the defender couldn't haul it in and make the catch which if he would have made that catch San Francisco give him like a 70% chance that San Francisco would have been able to finish the deal done what they had to do and would have won the game Instead, Matthew Stafford and company live to see and play in Super Bowl 56. But outside of that horrendous pass by Stafford, and he threw an interception also in the game as well. Let's not forget that either. 337 for two touchdown passes still holds its weight in a conference championship game. And how about Cooper Cup? 
I mean, who who is just on another level, sensational, fantastic, off the freaking charts, as great as a receiver he is. The Triple Crown winner in, in receiving categories in the NFL this season. I mean, you do. You, I mean, you, there's not enough superlatives to describe how great of a season and how great of a wide receiver Cooper Cup is in the National Football League in this 2021 campaign. 13 receptions, a hundred, or excuse me, 11 receptions, 142 receiving yards, two touchdown catches on the afternoon. And how about Odell Beckham Jr., who again raised my right hand, apologize, take full accountability, and and take back what I said about him. Because Odell Beckham Jr., ever since he's been a Los Angeles Ram, he's been a model citizen, excellent teammate. You saw an excellent uh, element of sportsmanship. We went, went over to console uh, Debo Samuel, who was bawling his eyes out on the sideline and, and after the game when the clock hit triple zeros. And has been an absolutely tremendous teammate and a tremendous player. Had a couple of clutch catches in the Ravens game. Uh, to put them over the top in week 17 when they came to my neck of the woods. Had a nice performance against uh, against uh, against against Tampa and against um against uh, the the, uh, the Cardinals on that Monday night in a wild card round and puts together his first 100 plus reception or 100 plus receiving yards performance I believe since 2000. And either 18 or 19, I'll check that. Uh, but he puts together a, an impressive performance of a, of nine receptions, a buck th- thirteen, and Odell Beckham Jr. gets to play and gets to play in the Super Bowl. Good for Matthew Stafford, who finally gets himself over the hump again. I can't say anything about him now. You know, overrated this, overrated that. That's all out the window, one near and out the other. I look like a complete fool like I did criticizing Zach Taylor at infinitum for the last couple of seasons. As recently, of course, that aforementioned 49er game against Cincy. All out the window now. I, w- I was ridiculing McVay and ridiculing the Rams. Like, really? You're going to trade a King's ransom for Matthew Stafford because you think he's the missing piece to finally get you to a Super Bowl and win you a championship? Whether he's the final piece to win a championship is yet to be determined, but it looks like it, it, it turned out to be, after all, that he was the missing piece to, to guide L.A. to another Super Bowl. Hats off and congratulations to him. And you know how I feel about you know about the crazy family member and the crazy wife. You know I I, I can't I can't scream about the fact that Kel, if Kelly Stafford wants to jump into Stafford's arms after the game in the post game. You know what? She's a brain cancer survivor. I, I wasn't. I'm not in love with everything she's said and done over the last year and a half, two years. Those of you who have been an avid listener of this program for the last few years know that I'm not a a uh, a a, a big time uh, Kelly Stafford fan. But as a person that's had her own little fair share of adversities throughout her life. You know, seeing the Lions be a complete joke when her husband played at Detroit, and then you know dealing with her, uh, with her um, uh, own little personal adversities through life, with uh, with the many brain operations he's had to go through. You know what? I'll be the uh, I will be the bigger man. I'll be the bigger person. Tip my hat. Nice clap uh, for the uh, Kelly Stafford and Matthew Stafford for getting to the Super Bowl. 
not my favorite human in the world. You know, I, she'd be one of the last people I would I'd have on this show. I tell you that right now. But um, you know, she she deserves it. Multiple seeing her husband go through what she what he went through in Detroit and hearing you, people like yours truly knock him and bash him every at every opportunity at every corner, and then her own little personal traumas of having uh, of of having brain cancer and going through those vigorous and mentally and physically draining uh, brain operations with her cancer about. God bless her. God bless Matthew Stafford. They're going to the Super Bowl. Good for him. Um, and lastly, you know, it's 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 SoFi Stadium. You know, it's it's you know you know what you know what SoFi Stadium it has become has be you know what it is it's it's the domestic equivalent of of the London games for the National Football League. You know, the NFL, they schedule the London games so they can say, look, we got a game overseas, we got a game in Europe, we got a game in London, so they can show off the Tottenham Spurs Stadium, whatever it's called, and 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 they can, you know, play NFL games at Wembley Stadium in case, you know, the Queen Queen Elizabeth wants to go to them. But, you know, but but it's but it's it's a, it's a neutral site. No home field advantage, it's a neutral site so you can have an NFL game played in a top premier uh, tourist destination such as London. It's the same deal with Los Angeles. It's also they can see now 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 unlike London where you know you can pick two teams and send them on a flight overseas to uh, to go play a game, you know, you can't get away with that, you know, with a with a you know, when you have a uh, when you're playing games in a city such as Los Angeles with with uh, who's had NFL teams in its previous history, you know, taking you know playing playing a game in a continental forty eight United States, uh, you know you know United States of America, you got to put a team you got to put a team in there. Two teams is one team too much. Uh, they need they would get one at minimum, uh, and if you wanted to, it should be the Rams and the Raiders. I've said this a thousand times. But the fact that that and again it, it's it's a it's a neutral site is what it is. It's 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 the it's the domesticated version of the London game. An opportunity for them to make money hand over fist week so we can ooh and ah at SoFi, bring in the tourist dollar, uh, bring in the tourist dollar, get the celebrities packed inside the building so they can be seen on television. And, uh, and and make a fortune and sell a fortune and, and you know a little cross promotion with the NFL Network Studios right across the street from SoFi, and we can you know go out there and ha and have a ball and go from there. The fact that that place was packed with 49er fans Championship Sunday is absolutely disgraceful. Disgrace. The fact that that place was 60, 65 percent 49er fans. I mean that that that's a joke. That that's embarrassing. I understand that they that they missed on a generation of uh, of uh, of Rams fans when they left in the in the mid late nineties and were there from you know up until twenty fifteen. But that but that but that's ridiculous. And again, and I look, I just looked at the Super Bowl prices. I mean, if you, if you're the average Joe, you're going to have to take out a second mortgage, or the, you know, to uh, to to if you're a uh, if you're a uh, 
out-of-town Ram or, or, or Bengal fan or a local Cincinnatian Bengal fan to go, to go to that Super Bowl unless you got the tickets for the game in advance or like yours surely has a uh, hookup in Chris or Mad Dog Russo in which you're hitting your knees every single night praying that the good doggy would come through and send you to the game. But not, but not everybody has that luxury and not everybody, you know, is, is, is in that, is in that position. I understand that, that the Super Bowl tickets are going to be, are going to be more pricier than a, than a, in our sense, not a regular season. It is a playoff game. It is a championship, a conference championship game. And then a regular de facto Rams home game. But still, I mean, you, 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 you I mean, nobody is going to either has season tickets or is it, you know, and if you live, I understand not to uh, exploit the stereotype that if you live in Los Angeles, you have money. But if you live in Los Angeles with the, with the, with the taxes out there and the, and, and the little bit extra uh, cabbage you got to have in order for you to afford to live out in that part of the country. I mean, you, you, we, we, we can't get a seven, we can't get that building 70, 75% Rams fans. I mean, that, that in my, that in my eyes, in my opinion, that's unacceptable. Well, we'll pan the camera to the cows come home with all the celebrities and we'll have Michael, Michael Buffer do that unnecessary. Let's get ready to rumble shtick prior to kickoff. But what we can't, what we can't get 75, 80% of, uh, of, of Ram fans in the building for the conference championship game. It is their first NFC championship game that they've played since they've moved back to Los Angeles. The, the the same game was on the road down in the Big Easy. It it is it is their first home conference championship game trip to the Super Bowl on the line to host game within their own stadium, and they can't get the building. You know, eighty percent uh, Ram fans. I mean, seriously. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Not not the not to mention it's it's the it's the it's their first season of ha- of uh, of having SoFi open to the masses at full capacity. I mean, you, you, you can't have that. I'm sorry. That, that, that is just unacceptable. It is. And the 49ers, or not the 49ers, the Rams still overcame it on top of the double-digit deficit and won the game and ended up winning the conference and are going to the Super Bowl. Speaking of which, I'll give you my, uh, er, my early two cents on that Super Bowl. Super Bowl 56, Rams, Bengals. Next. Roses are red, violets are blue, don't I wild pube recue. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped, they're here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for this special occasion. This Valentine's Day, it's the time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in the below-the-waist grooming with our exclusive offer. So just go to manscaped.com and use the code SHIELD5 for 20% off plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just a thing every guy needs in his life to make each and every single day just a little bit more special. The number one product in this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and get this. The trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate partners in crime. It even has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your hearts may still desire. Did I mention it's also waterproof? This package also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer to whack all the worst of your weeds. Manscaped even threw in not one, but two free gifts. Their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs to keep your boys stored comfortably throughout the day. 
to complete the perfect package for your said package are liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Start your day off with the deodorant for your boys and then stay cool all day with the toner to keep you smelling and feeling your best all day and all throughout the night. And don't forget to not only smell good around your nether regions, but all over your body. Made with their signature scent, the Manscaped Refined Cologne will complement your collection with the smell of perfection. Manscaped created their products for nights just like on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So go to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code the Shield 5 Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping. Not either or, 20% off and the free shipping. Just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use my code THESHIELD5. That's T-H-E-S-H-I-L-D-5. Be like yours truly on Instagram and shoot your shot with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Super Bowl 56 is set. You got my Cincinnati Bengals, your 2021 AFC champions, taking on the 2021 NFC champion, Los Angeles Rams, for Super Bowl 56. That will take place Sunday, February 13th. Uh, at what, 6.30 kickoff time, thereabouts on NBC, that's a 3.30 local kick, so that's uh, that's going to qualify as an afternoon uh, Super Bowl, at least locally, the sun will be down, it'll be pitch black by the time it kicks off here uh, in my neck of the woods, of course, and it's so funny because, you know, we went, what, 54 straight Super Bowls, 54 straight Super Bowls, 54 straight years, Without a uh, without with a with a Super Bowl in which the two teams participating in it did not play in that host stadium, you know we've come close a couple of times. You know the closest that I can recall off the top of my head was in 2017 when the Minnesota Vikings made it to the NFC Championship game and all they had to do was beat the Eagles on the road and they would have gotten Super Bowl 52 in their building. Um, I'm trying to think at another. Uh, currents where it's happened, 2014, no, 2013, no, 2012, no, 11, no, 10 in Dallas, no, 2009 in Miami, no, 8 in Tampa, no. So, so off the top of my head, now I'm pretty sure it's probably happened one other time within the last 20 or so years or so, but the closest that, you know, in my lifetime that I've been watching NFL football and Super Bowls and everything else is when the Vikings came within an eyelash of being the first team to host the Super Bowl within their, uh, you know, in their own home stadium of U.S. Bank. They fell short in the Philadelphia Eagles, not only beat them to go to the Super Bowl and win the conference, but also uh, had the luxury of using the uh, Vikings locker room in Super Bowl 52. But and it's funny, you know, you go 54 straight years 
of uh, of no team hosting a Super Bowl, and then you have back to back the Bucks at Raymond James in Tampa last year, which was a huge advantage on their part because of the fact that it was a COVID year, and due to COVID, you know the t- out with the Bucks, of course, because the game took place in Tampa, they of course the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the two teams uh, couldn't spend the whole week uh, in the Super Bowl city leading into the game, which of course is a Super Bowl tradition. And I think that's one, and I said at the time, and I'll say it here again, one of the many reasons why I think the Chiefs lost that game because the because it was business as usual with the Bucks treating it as just another home game, not having to worry about traveling, the whole aura and 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 prestige of the Super Bowl got toned down quite a bit because it was the COVID season. Meanwhile, the Chiefs had to, you know, practice in cold Kansas City all week long and hop on a flight and go to warm Tampa where the Bucks essentially were cold kicking it for two weeks in their backyard and Kansas City had to make that Friday that 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 Friday trip down to Tampa for the Super Bowl a year after they were living it up uh living La Vida Loca down at a South Beach in their Super Bowl 54 appearance the week prior um and I and I factor it a little bit into this game a little bit now it isn't exactly the same because it is going to be a normal Super Bowl full capacity Super Bowl since of course the aforementioned Chiefs and um 49ers won in February of 2020. It's going to be full capacity, Super Bowl experience, media night, whole nine. Yo, I'm pretty sure there'll be like COVID protocols and COVID restrictions mixed in in between. But at least from an outsider's perspective that you're going to get your normal Super Bowl with your normal festivities and 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 shingdigs and everything else unlike Super Bowl 55 last year. So I don't think it's going to have as big as an effect as if as if like last year where you know the Rams are cold kicking it and you know at home for two weeks and the Bengals are you know fly in to LAX what on uh on February 10th whatever it is so I don't think it's going to be a similar dynamic and also the Bengals said that they were going to try to make it their business Zach Taylor you know contact his players contact the team made it his business knowing that how much of a disadvantage it is to essentially have a de facto road uh, another essentially playing their third straight de facto road game uh even though the Bengals are the designated quote-unquote home team for the super bowl because the afc and nfc alternate uh alternate every other year and it also you know while it's the rams home stadium it's also considered a quote-unquote afc stadium because the chargers play in it as well but knowing that the Bengals have a de facto third straight road playoff game and the and it's not entirely across the country like it you know like it is baltimore boston you know miami charlotte you know from one from the atlantic ocean to the pacific ocean so it's a little bit of a shorter flight from cincinnati to lax and it would be from baltimore washington lax but they know with that long travel that they want to get there as early as possible and kind of get themselves 
you know, into the field, especially with such a young team that's inexperienced, no player on this roster off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's an accurate statement has uh, had experience playing in the Super Bowl before, you know, sure. Burrow and Chase have had experience national championship games, but that's a different animal. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a similar uh, experience. Not exactly the same. You can't replicate, you know, playing in the Super Bowl as a player. Either you have or you haven't. And Taylor made it known, I saw on social media earlier this week, that the Bengals wanted to make sure they got out to, uh, they got it out to L.A. about five days early. The day that, you know, that the teams make the trip is typically that Sunday, is the Sunday before the game, which this case is February 6th, which if, again, if you've listened to this program for a short amount of time, you know I will die screaming from the rooftops on this hill that Super Bowl Sunday should be Sunday the 6th instead of Sunday the 13th. But um, but the scheduled day that the that the teams, you know, flying in the neutral site would be the sixth, knowing that the Rams don't have to go anywhere. They can practice at their own facility. Players can sleep in their own beds, see their family. It's kind of like a normal routine, so to speak, like a normal uh, work week. The Bengals said that they're going to make it their business to get there five days early, which if my math is correct, would be which would be one, two, three, four. So why? So you know, this, I would imagine it would be either Thursday or Friday. It can't be five days early because they were busy doing the meet, you know, the the media stuff with NBC for their for their marathon of a pregame for their marathon of their pregame show, and they haven't left Cincinnati yet. So I would imagine they're either going to leave Cincinnati either Thursday or Friday. Let's see if they can get like a head start and not leave until, you know, the, the Valentine's Day, essentially, so to speak, uh, depending, you know, depending on the result. But anyway, this is going to be a very interesting Super Bowl. You know, got a lot of intriguing storylines. I did say, though, prior to the championship games that 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 uh, that the Rams and Bengals would be that would be on the list with Chiefs. Rams with this with the Super Bowls that would have the least juiciest of storylines. You know, we've known that this has been a Super Bowl matchup since uh, late Sunday night, and let me tell you, it ain't look like it ain't you're not gonna find a loss for storylines. You got, of course, Zach Taylor coming from the McVay coaching tree. McVay trying to get a Super Bowl redemption when he got coached in circles, when he got coached around in circles by Belichick in Super Bowl 53, a short three, uh, a short three seasons ago, trying to right his wrongs from uh, trying to right his wrongs from that game. McVay of, of, as the uh, as the Rams head coach, of course, in tie-ins with that because that was the last ever game. Zach Taylor was the was the coach under McVay for the Ram organization. Of course, being a McVay's quarterback coach with uh, with Jared Goff that year, and you saw the 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 absolute masterpiece he uh, he of a season he produced during that 2018 season. So you have the McVay uh, Zach Taylor connection that you can talk about ad infinitum. You also have uh, the Stafford and him being in Detroit for for not for nine ten years or so. Him, you know, the the, the McVay trade, him joining Los Angeles and trying to get that monkey off his back and getting that Super Bowl title 
as uh, and essentially, you know, being the lion, being the closest thing the Lions have uh, gotten to, the closest thing the Lions, uh, the Lions franchise has had as far as making the Super Bowl since the Super Bowl was played in their building at Ford Field of February of 06, Super Bowl 40 between the Steelers and the Seahawks. So you have the Matthew Stafford angle, the McVay, uh, Zach Taylor angle. You also have the Joe Burrow angle. You know, rookie quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, first overall pick in the draft from two se- from uh, from a se- from a season ago. The torn ACL on a no- on November the twenty second of uh, of last year t- in twenty twenty. Then of course the re- the the rehab, the extensive rehab, the recovery. And and the revamp and the and the roster being revamped, the quick turnaround of having the worst record in 2019, to making the Super Bowl in 2021, you know the letdown of and the emotional roller coaster that was of a season in Burrow's rookie year in 2020, Zach Taylor's future looking bleak, people like you are surely calling for his head. So you have that, uh, so you have that storyline, you know that 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 worst of first. You know, sticking it out through the uh, through adversity and through thick and thin that you can. That's an interesting uh, tidbit to chew on uh, as well. Heading into the Super Bowl, on top of the fact, uh, on top of the fact that um, you also have you know the Joe Burrow Jamar Chase connection in comparison to Cooper Cup and and uh, and Matthew Stafford. You also got the you know the the, the, the um. The defense, the defensive players on both teams, and, and the and the roles that they play. Aaron Donald making it to another Super Bowl, trying to get, trying to uh, take advantage of the second opportunity. Von Miller and the asset and the and the asset that he's been to this team during out throughout their playoff run, and and you know and reflecting on his Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl Fifty, and went in which. He won Super Bowl MVP in that game, which ironically enough was the last Super Bowl in which you had two uh, first overall picks that were quarterbacks face off in the game. Cam Newton out of Auburn and Peyton Manning out of Tennessee. They were their respective uh, first overall draft picks and their respective uh, drafts they faced off in Super Bowl Fifty, which of course Von Miller was the MVP in last Super Bowl to have the two quarterbacks that were the uh, overall picks in their respective draft classes. Matthew Stafford coming out of Georgia for uh, coming out of Georgia for um, for Detroit, and then of course Joe Burrow, LSU, Andrew Whitworth, the ex Bengal. The uh, you know now I now the Braves retire one of the oldest active uh, players in the sport that isn't a, a kicker or a punter. Him being also an a, a, a LSU Tiger, a former LSU Tiger, and the connections between him and the Bengals and how I get and how he feels you know making it back to the Super Bowl. He also trying to get trying to right the wrongs of a Super Bowl Fifty Three getting back there and. Having to go through his favorite, uh, his favorite team, who he played for for a decade plus, in order to do it. Um, so you got a lot of juicy storylines, and of course, you know the back-to-back years. You have a team playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium. You have that, so you actually got a lot of when you really sit down and think about it. You got a lot of juicy 
uh, storylines and angles and tidbits to chew on and on outside of the X's and O's of, you know, of what, you know, you know, can uh, can the Bengals offensive line be able to contain Aaron Donald and Von Miller and all that sort of X's and O's football-y quote-unquote garbage that you, you know, that you can talk and break down so you're blue in the face when it comes, uh, you know, when it comes to the lines of this game. Uh, typically, NBC has, a, you know, they get good Super Bowls, at least since they've regained the NFL rights getting Sunday Night Football in 2006. Their first Super Bowl since they got the Sunday Night Football rights was Super Bowl 43. That was John Madden's last ever game as a broadcaster. Of course, that game was a classic between Pittsburgh and the Car and the Arizona Cardinals. Super Bowl 46 wasn't bad. It was very good uh, between uh, between the Gi you know the Giants beating the Patriots a second time. That Super Bowl was 10 years ago, as a matter of fact. Speaking of which, 10 years ago Saturday, if you want to be exact, February 5th. Uh, yours truly, his father turned 34 years old that day, turns 44, uh, this Saturday. And then of course you, the Super Bowl after that, Super Bowl 49, of course, I still say, you know, it's the greatest football, greatest NFL game, greatest playoff game, greatest Super Bowl I've ever seen. Uh, Patriots beating the Seahawks, prohibiting the Seahawk repeat. Uh, and the Patriots winning their first Super Bowl championship in 10 years, 28-24. The Malcolm Butler pick at the goal line and the back and forth nature of that game where where I believe no team out of I where I believe going off the top of my head there was no there wasn't a team favored in that game. It was it was a straight pick 'em 50-50, two number one seeds, Seahawks back to back NFC champions, the great defense, Marshawn Lynch, the powerful running back, the young quarterback Russell Wilson. Of course the other side you got Brady and Brady and Belichick throwing Gronk through and Julian and Edelman throw in the fact that you know the defl the deflate gate controversy that led up in the week in the, you know throughout the weeks leading up to that game that Super Bowl all time classic greatest one I've ever seen so who can forget Super Bowl forty nine uh, Patriots and Seahawks in Glendale Arizona which ironically enough is the site of next year's Super Bowl Super Bowl fifty seven. Uh, uh, February of 2023. And then you have uh, Super Bowl uh, 52, the most recent Super Bowl NBC has had, uh, which is which has been quite, which has been what? It's, uh, it's been four years since the last time uh, NBC has had a Super Bowl. They were scheduled to have last year's, but they flipped it with CBS. This was CBS's year to have Super Bowl, but they flipped it because CBS had the Final Four, so it worked out for them, a little cross-promotion aspect with the Final Four and then the Masters right afterwards, so they have the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, March Madness, Final Four, and then the Masters in the, you know, from that February to April, uh, you know, slot in the sports calendar, and NBC wanted this year's Super Bowl instead of last year's because they have the Winter Olympics this year. So they can, you know, cross promote and give you that once in a lifetime foolishness of Super Bowl 56 in the 2022 Winter Olympics, which nobody cares about. 
until uh, until the cows come home. But Super Bowl Fifty Two, of course, Eagles get the monkey off. Eagles get the monkey off their back. They get their revenge of a, of their Super Bowl Thirty Nine defeat against New England. They prohibit a chance of a of a Patriots repeat of the Patriots, of course, being the defending champs of the twenty eight to three comeback in Super Bowl Fifty One. Nick Foles, Philly special. The, uh, the 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 great backup story, the whole nine yards. Legarrette Blunt getting his revenge against the Patriots when Bill Belichick cuts him, or or he cut him. Went to the Eagles and won a Super Bowl, uh, and won a Super Bowl uh, with with them. And of course, the and honestly, looking back, forty one thirty three final score. Uh, I be, that you know that's not really talked about, but that honestly is up there with one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Brandon Graham with the strip sack of Brady with about two minutes and change to, with about two minutes and change to go in the fourth quarter, a very underrated game. I, people make a you know it, it's talked about a lot because everywhere you look it's the Philly special this Philly special that Nick Foles this Nick Foles that and the whole thing with you know Carson Wentz ain't there no more Nick Foles ain't there no more Doug Peterson was fired after the 2020 season so it's still talked about as far as like the aftermath of that game but as far as the game itself at least in my eyes in my opinion is very 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 criminally underrated as far as the, as far as the uh, the actual game itself again it's talked about a ton when it, when you talk about the aftermath of what of what took place after Super Bowl the fact that the Patriots you know three-peated as AFC champions and won Super Bowl the following season and you know the Philly special and in the aftermath and falling out with the Eagles and Carson Wentz and Foles and Peterson but as far as the game itself it doesn't get talked about a lot uh, as much as much as it should, and, w- and it's a shame because 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 when you think about it, it's it's the best Super Bowl. It's the best Super Bowl we've had in the last five years. Last year's Super Bowl, of course, stunk. Super Bowl Fifty Three wasn't that much better. Fifty Four was okay, not a great game. Uh, so within the last you know four or five seasons, that's been the that's the best Super Bowl we've had within the last four or five seasons. Is uh, is paid is Patriots Eagles and it doesn't get talked about enough uh, as such. But but uh, NBC in the past, you know, go, dating back to Super Bowl Super Bowl forty three uh, Steelers and Cardinals, Roethlisberger against San Antonio Holmes. NBC has had the habit of lucking out on getting uh, some uh, absolutely uh, great games. Hopefully, they making another one come February. Uh, 13th, you know, again, I said in a monologue, say it again, never, ever, ever in my wildest dreams, what I would have imagined, especially this season, considering again, two years removed, the worst record in the sport, the way this, the way our season uh, went uh, with the Burrow injury and everything else back in 2020, never in a million years why I would have suspected that this team would have made the playoffs, won double-digit games, won a playoff game, made the AFC Championship game, won the AFC Championship game, and also punched their ticket to the Super Bowl, all within the, as short of a time span uh, as you can imagine. It's just it, it's still unbelievable. It's still so surreal that my favorite football team, a team that I've been mocked mocked and ridiculed many a times for rooting for, you know, don't 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 forget. 
You know, it was the two short years ago I was screaming and yelling my head off about the Bengals being the worst team in the sport in 2019. You know, being a, being a local Baltimorean, local Baltimorean 2019, uh, a senior in high school, and have and look and seeing Lamar Jackson, you know, run away with the MVP race, and and seeing the Ravens, you know, beat up on my team, make a mockery out of my football team, win the division by a landslide, and lock up the number one, uh, the number one seed in the AFC, and and have that that fabulous fourteen and two, uh, regular season record, wasn't that long ago. Was not that long ago. And you blink, and it's the Bengals who win the division. The Bengals that are kicking the Ravens up and down the football field. And it's the Bengals that are in the Super Bowl. Now, we all know, of course, that 2019 Ravens team fell to the Titans. You know, the, the Bengals beat the Titans in the playoffs a few weeks ago, of course. But still, you, you get where I'm coming from. Still, as a diehard fan that, again... 2007, seeing Shane Graham kick the kick the what the the five field goals in a single game to beat the Ravens on that October night. Went there with my aunt. Remember like remember it like it was yesterday, and standing outside and getting autographs of Bengal players. You know, uh, the, the, uh, Bobby Williams, the offensive lineman who ended up winning a Super Bowl with the Ravens a few a few years later. Uh, Rudy Johnson, I think I got his autograph. Got everybody's autograph. Did not get Carson Palmer's, and I did not get uh Chad Johnson who rode away into the night on his uh in his uh whatever sports car he had uh flown in from uh, Cincinnati uh, after the game. Cry my eyeballs out after the Jets playoff loss. Crying my eyeballs out, you know, when they were one of the worst teams in the league in 2010. Crying my eyes, eyeballs out, losing back-to-back -back years in the playoffs on the road to, to the Houston Texans of all teams. Uh, you know, being angry, being uh, heartbroken and, and, and sad and depressed, losing to the Colts and losing to the Chargers and just being just frustrated and pissed off and just livid, throwing a throwing a freaking temper tantrum when they collapsed against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that wild card round. So, you know, and, and, and mixed in with all the bad seasons, you know, the mediocre 2017, 2016, 2017, 2018 seasons, uh, you know, the, the, the garbage of uh, the garbage of 2019, the Joe Burrow injury and the offensive line frustrations of 2020. I've been through it all. For 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 a person that's been a fan of this team for 15, 16 years, I've been through it all. Never in my wildest dreams why I would have expected them to be in this position, especially as soon as it is. You know, you want to tell me 2022, 2023, 2024 to make a run? I'd be like, yeah, I can expect that. 2021, not a chance in hell what did I did I expect this. Not a chance. I didn't expect the Rams, in all fairness, to make it this far either. I had a suspicion. That they that they might have made it this far, you know, just for the sake of conversation, just to pull up my uh, preseason prediction record, if you care, of how far I think the Rams are going to make it. I had the Rams at twelve and five as a wild card, as a uh, as a wild card team, not making the NFC Championship. So I knew the Rams were going to be good in the regular season. 
I didn't expect them to make the Super Bowl in Matthew Stafford's first year. That also I did not see coming. But I but I didn't I didn't see it coming and I'm surprised, but I'm not really shocked. Shocked because, you know, this is a team that is constructed to win now, you know. And and we'll and we'll dive into this next week, but you know, even Ever ever since the Bengals won won that wild card game against the Raiders, they've been playing with house money. Win or lose, seasons of success. Rams can't get to the Super Bowl and lose. Season again when you traded when when they traded for Matthew Stafford for two first round picks and they gave the Lions Jared Goff. They're in cap hell and they essentially constructed a team via you know via free agency you know buying a team a la the nba constructing a super team will get up will you know we'll we'll uh we get Sony Michelle from the Patriots. Oh, by the way, we'll get Cam Makers back in the latter parts of the season. We'll we'll get Odell off the street. We'll get Odell off the streets. We'll trade for Matthew Stafford. We'll trade for Super Bowl MVP Von Miller. Oh, by the way, we have Jalen Ramsey who's making a fortune. Aaron Donald who's making a fortune. And then you got superstar Cooper Cup. So they're in a position in a position where they have to win. And McVan, the Rams go to go to you know show up on uh, on the thirteenth and get beat you know thirty one ten. That that ain't gonna bode well for the few Los Angeles Rams faithful out there. And and their season, the grand scheme of things, outside of Matthew Stafford, if, especially with with McVay, because you know he's the one who's you know who. You know, didn't even have the common courtesy to pick up the phone and let Jared Goff know he was he was sending them out the door for a bag of uh, flaming hot Cheetos. Seasons of failure. Nobody wants to hear about Robert Wood's injury. Not interested. Seasons of failure. If you don't win a Lombardi, your season is a failure. The only one that gets a pass, Matthew Stafford. His season's a success. First year leaving Detroit, he takes the Rams to Super Bowl. He he gets a little check mark for for the year. He, he he gets an A in his report card. McVeigh, especially the way he's he's coached these games, blowing the twenty-seven to three lead against Tampa, and then you know not just being all over the place with his timeout and 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 challenge usage in a championship game. If he don't if he don't win if he don't win this Super Bowl. The, the the jury's going to be out on Sean McVay, and and it and, and it ain't and it ain't going to be a pretty one either. Bengals, my Bengals, they're playing with house money. Win or lose, seasons of success. Even they even if they even if they get their doors blown off, knock on wood, God forbid, you know, uh, forty two zip, the seasons of success. And. You know, there, there's, there, there's no football. There's no Los Angeles. And if I'm now, maybe if I'm fortunate enough to to go out to the game, maybe I'll be proven otherwise. Whatever. L.A. not, not, not a big time NFL football town. At least for the moment, it isn't. Lakers, yes. Dodgers, yes. Chargers, we know, no business being there. They, they, you know, fan base non-existent in Los Angeles. They should have never left San Diego. I get, but not, not a big time factor. And if, and 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 if, and I, and I don't know what will be more damning: the fact that twice in the same month, 49er fans flocked to SoFi and took over the stadium, 
or if I either turn on the TV or walk through the turnstiles come February 13th and, 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 I, and I run into 9 million Bengals fans. I don't, I don't know what will be more embarrassing. If, if, the, if, the, if the building is 65, 70, 75% Cincinnati Bengals fans or the fact that their place essentially became Levi Stadium of the South two times within a three, four-week period by a bunch of 49er fans coming from, coming from the Bay Area and driving down to, the, to Southern California. But it should be a very interesting Super Bowl. A lot of juicy uh, storylines to uh, sink your teeth into. Take a break. Close out the program. This is the Amatelica TIS Podcast. Nice to have you with us on this uh, early February program. One last thing. And, you know, it's, it's so funny, you know, how the world works because I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And, and I, the opportunity to talk about this next topic to close out the program that just fell right into my lap. I mean, the fact that David Culley, the former head coach of the Houston Texans, got thrown to the Wolves the way he did. Uh, and, you know, one year and out the door, you know, when, when his team, you know, busted their busted their tail, they upset the Chargers, a what and quite all objectivity should have been a playoff team. They upset them in their own building. They made the Titans work a little bit in week 18 for them to lock up the number one seed. David, David Davis, whatever his name is, the quarterback Mills uh, did a solid job for him. Uh, having to finagle that fiasco with with Deshaun Watson, the roster stinks from top to bottom, and and you and if you are the Houston Texans and the McNair family and Easterby and and all of them other clowns, I mean you you throw David Culley out to the Wolves after one season with with with, with your with your, with your garbage roster, the distraction of the Deshaun Watson uh sexual assault misconduct scandals. I mean really. And and no other competent quarterback play behind him, and you th- and it's David Culley's fault. I mean, ser- seriously, guys, is is this what we're doing here? One year, and you throw him out when it wasn't even even when it wasn't even his fault because of the, because of the envi- the toxic environment that you put him in. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And one sole black NFL head coach. Really? Really? Again, I said it when Flores got fired. I say it to him blue in the face. And I don't care who gets pissed off, who gets mad. Who cares? You don't doesn't phase me one way or the other. Because I got, I got as, as, a, as a black individual in this country, I, as a sports fan, as a diehard football fan, that, you know, that, that, that chews up and, 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 and galvages and not galvages, devours the NFL's product on a year in year out basis. I got to say something. The fa- one sole black NFL head coach and it being Mike Tomlin. I mean, seriously, guys. You, you can give me the inspired change, the end racism, advanced social ju- You give me all, all, all that, all the bull crap, you know, politically, cor- politically correct while, you know, while in the same breath, not trying to say black lives matter. I mean, you, you can give me all that to the cows come home. 
You, you, you can tattoo it on the field. You can put it on a hat and sell it for money. You, you can put stickers on the back of the helmets. You can air commercials. I don't care what you do. You, you, can, you can tweet till your thumbs fall off. I don't care what you do. Talk is cheap. Nobody cares about slogans and, and sayings and commercials and, 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 and a, bu a bunch of fluff is what you give me. A bunch of fluff, a, bu a bunch of BS, a bunch of lip service. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the commercials, the stencils on the field, the little stickers on the back of their helmets. I'm not interested. All right? Actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap. You want to want to want to prove to America that you're about advancing social justice and and being about change and ending racism and and uh, and being about you know a level playing field for for Black Americans in this country. Here's here's what you do. You make sure that come next off season there isn't one soul after you know Black Monday is coming on. There isn't one soul Black uh, NFL head coach in the sport. And only like three minority ones, if you include Ron Rivera and Robert Sala. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. You're a league that's over 70% black, and, and you only got one, one black NFL head coach? That's a disgrace. That's a, that, 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 that's a disgrace. And again, are the, are the NFL owners, you know, uh, uh, Ku Klux Klan? I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna hang you from a tree and castrate your racist. I don't believe so. Not necessarily. No. Are they Jim Crow racist? Not exactly either. Are they bleep you, you bleeping nigger racist? You probably might find one or two, but for the most part, most likely, probably not also. But are the... It, Chris Rock put it excellently in his... And one of, at one of the times he hosted the uh, Oscars. I forget what year it was, but he said... To referring about Hollywood being racist, it's not it, it's it's not your old fashioned racism of name call of name calling, insults, you know, Ku Klux Klan hood wearing cross burning racist. That that racism for the most part in 2022 has kind of gone. Not not entirely gone away, but it it's 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 like it's like so minute and so small that 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 you rarely damn near ever hear about it anymore. And when 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 was the last time you know you 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 know you drove by a country road unless you lived in Mississippi or Alabama, one of the places that it, and you and you saw a Klan rally? Or, or when was the last time you know? When was the last time you know you were in school or whatever, and uh, and and some and somebody called a called a black person like a nigger monkey or something like that? Like, like it, it it exists, but it isn't the way it was, you know, in the way it was in America, like in post slavery. 
in the 1910 and 1900s, the 10s, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Like that type of racism ha has, in 2022 America, it's died down a little bit. Because now, like in the way that this, in the way our culture is, is where if if you get if you get caught saying the n word, you're out. You know you 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 know you you are you're, you're a you're a person of uh, of power or whatever, and you, and you get caught with with uh, with a piece of Ku Klux Klan memorabilia, you're out. It's a more of a sophisticated 2022 covert version of racism like as chris rock put in his stand-up routine it's like we like you but you're not a kappa you're not an alpha you know you're you're not you're not one of us you're not part of like that 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 good old boys club like you, you understand what i'm saying like you like we like you but you're not part of our circle it's it's that it's that it's that seclusive James Crow Esquire as the great Joe Madison puts it type of racism where you have all of these white coaches within the coaching trees and these coaching circles that get recycled yet the Jim Caldwells the Lovey Smiths the Marvin Lewis's of the world who albeit are not Super Bowl champion head coaches by any stretch of the imagination and have their flaws and have their shortcomings, but they are fairly successful NFL coaches who deserve multiple and more opportunities than what's been given to them. You know, you, you Josh McDaniels gets another opportunity for the Raiders, and Lovey Smith and Jim Cardwell, who I believe off the top of my head, without even having to look it up, were fired after nine, ten win seasons. Yet, the incompetent Josh McDaniels, who, by the way, hung the Indianapolis Colts out the drive, by the way, who was a complete mess with the Denver Broncos, thank God for Tim Tebow, he gets another opportunity to coach the Raiders. He gets another coach. Now, I understand it's been a, quite a few years, but he gets an opportunity to coach the Raiders. And Jim Caldwell and Lovey Smith, who were fired after nine, ten win seasons, don't get another shot. I am, and people telling me that that there isn't like some questionable, you know, behavior or questionable hiring practices within the ownership groups and and ownership among NFL owners and and front offices across the National Football League. Really, Josh McDaniels. Really, did you see? Did you see how the Patriots' offense played against Buffalo? Really, Brian Dayball. I'll live with. Nathaniel Hackett, I am not in favor of it. I, I can kind of sort of live with. But with Josh McDaniels and Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, Lovey Smith don't get another shot. Marvin Lewis, who resurrected the Bengals franchise, turned them into a competitive, at least when it came to the regular season, respectable team, one division, one division titles, multiple double-digit Winning seasons, Jim Godwell took a team to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, has been the has been the best coach the Lions have had in my lifetime in the last damn near twenty years or so. Lovey Smith 
took the Bears to a took the Bears to a Super Bowl, took the Bears to a couple of NFC champion, took the Bears to three NFC championship games, got fired after its sixth season. He doesn't get another another opportunity to coach. Really? I mean, I, I mean, I could I could see if these guys were you know. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Bruce Arian age, but they're not. They're in their fifties and their sixties. They, 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 they can, they can, they are in perfect physical condition to coach again. They're not Arians, Belichick, Carroll in, in their in their seventies. You know, about a couple years away from the retirement home. These, these guys, these guys can still got plenty of pep in their step. They can coach again. Well, you you mean to tell me that that, sh- that Josh McDaniels would make a better coach than, uh, than you know Jim Caldwell? I mean, really? Especially if you're the Raiders and you went through that whole fiasco with 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 John Gruden hijacking the middle of your middle of your season, Mark Davis. <clears throat> Seriously, Lovey Smith don't get no another opportunity. I understand Marvin Lewis is you know zero six on seven in playoff games. But you know, no no rebuilding team couldn't use or or a team that's on the brink of becoming competitive couldn't you that's in the market of a head coach you know couldn't you know the Vikings for instance or uh, or or a team like the Raiders Marvin Lewis can't ain't, ain't good enough to coach those teams. It ain't like that. It ain't like that. You know it that a team that these teams that are in search for a head coach are are trying to make a Super Bowl run. They're not. But I mean, seriously. And again, you can give me the inspired change garbage to the cows come home. None of that matters. One in and out the other. Like Elvis used to say, a little less conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation and satisfaction in me. A little less fight, a little more bark. A little less, uh, a little less fight, a little more spark, a little less whatever. You get the idea. You you know you know where I'm going with it. I always get that line confused all the time, but you, but you get what I'm trying to say. A little less conversation, a little more action in the NFL. Seriously, I mean, please. And again, I screamed about it then, and I do it again. You know, Stephen Ross throwing Brian Flores out to the wolves like that, and get and get you keep the incompetent Chris Greer. Really, that this is this is how you want to do businesses. That this is how we want how y'all want to do things. Bad enough about a, about a two thirds y'all donated to Trump, you know, during his past few uh, presidential campaigns. But I mean, come on, guys, don't 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 make it so obvious. I mean, dear, my goodness gracious, not not to mention you kept not to mention you know you know you can do what you want. It's your team, but you kept Kaepernick out of the league. I mean, don't come on, people. Again, is the NFL, you know, Jim Crow racist? No. But does it have its moments of, does it have uh, its its uh, its moments and elements of uh, James Crow Esquire bigoted type of behavior and old practices? You're damn right it does. And if you don't, you're not paying attention. Now, I'm not going out there and also saying the same breath that every NFL owner is racist. I'm not saying that either. But... You know, come on, let, oh, call a spade a spade. Don't be naive. Open up your eyes and smell the coffee. If, if you don't think there ain't some questionable practices going on with these NFL owners when it comes to hiring these head coaches, you need you need you need you need your head examined. 
Seriously. Because, you know, explain to me this. Josh McDaniels gets a job and Jim Caldwell, Lovey Smith, and Marvin Lewis don't. I mean, really? 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 And two and two out of those three coaches took took you know took the uh, two out of those three coaches and Cardwell and Marvin Lewis were were given gob were you know were given a uh, were 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 given a, uh, a a little townhouse shack in the projects and made it into a multi billion dollar uh, penthouse with the work that they did in all objectivity and all. Uh, and all objectivity with the work that they did with the Lions and the Bengals franchises. Two franchises that didn't want a freaking thing before those two got before those two got there and made them into a re- somewhat respectable and competitive franchise and organization. Do better, NFL. Talk is cheap about action. All right? One one sole black NFL head coach in the league is seventy five percent black, that ain't good enough. I don't care how many black quarterbacks in the National Football League. We, we well, so what the trade off is is, is the trade off is we get no black head no black head coaches but you know but a bunch of black quarterbacks no let's have it both we got a we got a good a decent amount of black quarterbacks we got a good amount of black head coaches got it got to be 50-50 and again you know i i if Hugh Jackson doesn't get another job again i i i, I can't scream but it ain't like you know that the that the only unemployed black coach out there is uh, is is Hugh Jackson. You know the the, the Marvin Lewis's, Jim Caldwell's, and Lovey Smiths of the world should should have been had another opportunity. Should have been had. You can't say that there hasn't been openings because there have been plenty of them. And then with the Brian Flores lawsuit, you know with uh, with the Giants. I mean, a why in the world the Giants are are contacting Belichick to let them know their coaching decisions? I have no idea. That's the first thing. Second thing is, you know, if you're going to give Dayball, and I understand, you know, the idea of you know Frank Reich was the backup option for the Colts because they were originally going to go to McDaniel's, and McDaniel's blew him off at the last second. I understand all that, but but that but that's a dime a dozen. You know, token, token, Brian Flores, you know, making him your token interview, that ain't right. And, it, and according to him, it looks like he was the Giants' little token interview. That's not right. If you're going to hire Dable, if you were set on Dable, interview him, hire him. Don't send Brian, don't get Brian Flores all worked up and get him all excited and all giddy, sending him on his wild goose chase just for you to, to lead him, for you just to lead him on and, and break his heart and let him down in the end. You, you know you, do you know what that is that that's a, that's an attract that's a that's an attractive woman you know you know going out with, going out in the process of going out with two guys and she's gone out with one and spent a month's amount of time with one guy and it's pretty much set on making her uh or on making him excuse me her new boyfriend and uh or or she's or she's dating somebody and kind of behind closed doors explore, explore quote unquote exploring her options and she's and she leads on she leads on this guy that she's that she's kind of sort of interested in and she leads him along along and makes him think that she's genuinely interested in her and then when the guy you know gets his heart out gets his heart all excited and you know makes the move and says hey how about it you know 
you know, me, 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 and you are an item. How about uh, how about next Friday night at uh, at se- at seven o five? I swing by to pick you up, and the girl says, "Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I uh, I'm already uh, I'm already together with uh, with so and so. We're going out tomorrow. We're going out tomorrow night out to dinner and a movie." And then, and then you, and then you expect a guy that's been led along not not to get on his not to get on not to you know scream and yell from the rooftops about about how he was about how he was led along and played for a fool. It's a, it's the same premise, same premise. If you're not interested, make it known. Put it where the ghost can get it and made it known. Don't 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 make don't make me a uh, you know a, a token interview or or you know. Play me for a fiddle because you're trying to be nice or trying to uh, go, you know, like you're going through the motions. And according to Brian Brian Flores, that's that 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 is what sounds like uh, has occurred with him and the Giants. And then when it comes to Stephen Ross and throwing the games, if he's found out guilty, that's it. Stephen Ross throw him in jail. Subtle team. Period. Bottom line. You you can't be you can't be paying coaches to be to be to be losing games. It's just an integrity of the sport. When this league is in bed with the with with the, with these gambling partners and Caesars, DraftKings, Fanduel, can't have it. Can not have it. And that just goes for for coaches and owners, referees too. Can't you you cannot have it. Paying paying the coach to tank, and, and you know pay, paying the coach to tank. He has more integrity and he's better than that. Goes out there and uh and, and and makes something out of the nothing that you gave him and then you go out there and you fire him. Be, be, you know, because he has a frosty relationship with two attack Valoa, who was the, who was the wrong draft pick that was made by a GM who you kept employed. Which is a crock of garbage. But we'll see what this floor is lawsuit. We shall see. We shall see. I guarantee it will give us uh, many of uh, avenues for us to talk NFL football well after Super Bowl 56 uh, has been completed and the confetti has been uh, vacuumed up off the field of uh, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. So, uh, you know, Major League Baseball, you want to keep on farting around. You know, February is here now and you guys are... Still, uh, excuse my French way, my you know, like my day say all the time, pussyfooting around with this new CBA agreement. You know, don't worry, we got more. At, we can we can talk about this Brian Flores lawsuit to the cows come home. We also got NBA playoff basketball. We talk Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and the Lakers. Uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers having themselves a hell of a season. The Memphis Grizzlies in the West, John Morant. Uh, NBA All-Star, March Madness eventually, you know, if Tiger Woods makes his presence known at the Masters, plenty to talk about. Free, if we can break down Aaron, Aaron Rodgers for 15 hours until kingdom come. So so keep keep playing around Major League Baseball and, 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 and see if you don't get left in the dust. Keep playing. But... You know, wanted to get my two cents on the David Culley situation and the Flores lawsuit on the board before we say goodnight. Um, as that is an episode of the I'ma Tell Like It Is podcast in the books. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. 
or don't even follow me on Instagram because my dopey thing is hacked. If anything, get in contact with Zuckerberg and Facebook to make sure it gets fixed. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatel at Amatel underscore ATIS. It was your boy Josh Shields. I will talk to you in the next episode. Y'all stay safe. See ya.